Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. This and Paula show post summit post Thanksgiving post we're back back and back again I tell you what we've lived so much life in such a short amount of time I think everybody's looked up and said how is it December already and because we were on punishment in 2020 being uh, out and about in 2021 is like oh where the time go because when you when you are not in motion as much as you used to be things seem to go slower even though, and then when you're running, it's like time is running so fast and you need more time. And so welcome back to this week uh, of the Jesus and Paula show, Going Where No Man. Okay. Maybe not so much. <laughs> Maybe some people have gone before in the depths of the kingdom of gold. That's where we're going. I tell you what, if you were here at this year's Apostolic Summit. My, 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 <laughs> so, uh, somebody over here, and so, uh, coming up in June of 2022, we have the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute, but before that, right here at the Congregation of the Mighty at the Embassy in Tulsa, Oklahoma, New Year's Eve, if you don't have plans New Year's Eve, you need to plan to be with us. We bring in the new year with the Lord, with prophecy, with the word, with dance, with praise and worship, and we start at 9 p.m. and roll right into midnight. And you know what's great about serving the Lord, bringing in the new year? You remember what you did the night before because you were sober and in your right mind. You don't have a headache. You don't feel like a building fell on top of you saying what a great time you had. You could tell that Satan is a deceiver. And that delusions are real because people pursue intoxication, perversion of all kinds, say it's the best thing that you could possibly do with your time. Meanwhile, you feel like you've been hit with a Mack truck the next day. You don't know what you did. You don't know who you did. You don't know what what's going on, who's been around, who you've been in, who's been in you. So you're going to say it's great. You wake up, uh, and then six months, three months later, there's some random inflammation happening. There's a pregnancy that you're just so shocked that you have. Uh, there's a whole kind and you're like, how did that happen? Like, it just jumped on you. Like, the baby just jumped in your womb. Like, that disease or infection just jumped on you when you were minding your business walking down the street. And we completely remove ourselves from responsibility. Whenever you are intoxicated under the influence, the enemy always wants you to believe it's everybody else's fault but yours. I just don't know why every time I, is the universe mad at me? I mean, I was just, you know, I'm a good person. You're a dumb person. You're a bound person. You're a deceived person. You're a whole lot of things. Good, probably not so much because you don't make good decisions. As much as we want to say he's, they were such a good person. I'm such a good, are you? 
And, and and so what I love about this ministry is we really do strip you of that nonsense, even that nonsense doctrine yeah, yeah. that enables us to just be our worst selves. Last night in youth group, uh, we asked the kids, these, these teenagers, they'll surprise you, I'm telling you, ask them some of the, uh, you know, stupid things or the most annoying things that they've heard in church before they met us typically, and uh, one of them was, you know, one said, oh, yeah, what kids are in there? Just come as you are. <laughs> the kids said. I said, well, you can only come one way, whatever way you are, but don't stay there. Like in the this this perverse doctrine is like come as you are and get worse. Get more tattoos. Drink more alcohol. Just have as much free love, free love. Now, come on now. You could tell we have relabeled and rebranded sin to be palatable and just sellable. Just it's free love. You're whoring around, and you're getting the fruit of whoredom, which is outlined very plainly in Scripture. And so, but God still loves me. Yeah, his, his heart, yeah, he might have a heartbeat for you, but your body is still going to reap the corruption of the sin that you've taken into your body or whatever you've done to other people. And walking around in this whole I don't know, alternate universe that we're in called false doctrine. I mean, all these things are in Scripture. We act like there's something happening on the planet that cannot be found in Scripture. It's irrelevant. It's archaic. It's antiquated. It's just not, it's, you can't, that can't help me. I need something that can help me right now. No, you want something to not condemn you, something to not correct you, something to not judge you for what you want to do. You want to do what you want to do and then find something written to back it up and say, yes, that's God. That's what you want to do. So we have the mangling of scripture. We have these interpretations. I'm not even going to say translation. Interpretation of scripture, misinterpretation, misapplication of scripture that has just destroyed what Jesus came and died for, what this whole plan was all about. Oh, but here come the apostles and prophets, because every time we get here on the planet, and this was the world in which Jesus came, even worse than, because there wasn't a residual Holy Ghost. There wasn't that kind of presence in the planet or restraint or him in people as of yet. And so we as apostles and prophets, apostolic Christians, we have got to bear down and understand this is it. This is why we're here. We've been coasting on the blessings of salvation for so long, just like we've been coasting on freedom in our country to the point where we couldn't fathom another way of living. We couldn't fathom another way of things being the American dream. What do you mean I can't? I mean, what do you mean I, how could you say? So when we were hearing all this stuff about a shadow government and everything else, no, no, not here, not here. It's the same way in the body of Christ, shadow government all over the place. The shadow ecclesia, just running a sub-kingdom under the Lord's kingdom while everybody's preaching this gospel and doing this thing, and the people who are out there saying, um, that's the devil, that's not God, Oh, no, no. I mean, I've been with Dr. Price for 21 years. How many years did I hear, oh, you're just, of course, we know the, uh, what's it called? Not the bad news, the um, doomsday, thank you, the doomsday prophecy. You're just doomsday. And then my favorite line, you're just jealous. You're just envious. You just wish it was you. You just wish all those things. Has anything, there is nothing new under the sun. Any time when the, the prophets were trying to let people know, God's mad. 
He's about to tear you up. Prophets prophesying, and I will bind you and drag you out of this country, and you will be enslaved to the gods of which you're playing the harlot to. And they prophesied. They tried to tell him, I'm telling you, God's coming. We're all about to be deported, arrested, bound by another deity, bound by the deity of another ruler. In our country, it was unfathomable to think that a U.S. president would endorse anything but Christianity. Mm-hmm. Unthinkable. Whether they believed it in private or not, who cares? You just, you do all the holidays, you endorse, we are, you have the Bible, you do whatever. And then here came. And then here's now. And then we have other. They chose new gods. See, chose new gods. Then there was war at the gates. Mm-hmm. New gods war at the gates. Do we see where we are? New gods in the United States, war in our gates. We have the, the retail warfare, our whole lives sitting in, on barges in the ports, war in those gates. We have the health care warfare, forcing people to get vaccinations, threatening people to get vaccinations, threatening all these things. We have domestic warfare. That hasn't changed at all. Increased on the street, the riots tearing up domestic violence, everything else, locking people in their homes, domestic violence going through the roof because the person that you could usually avoid, now you can't. And so they're whooping up on everybody in the house day and night. Well, there's war in the gates everywhere we turn. This is why we need this broadcast. This is why we need this show. Uh, this is why we need people like Dr. Paula Price and raising up people like us, like you, like me, who can – Come up in where we are and say, I can make a difference. I can make a change. I can make a change. I can make a difference. Do you know why? Because these things were brought in by people. Devils in people is what ushered this in. So Christ in me is going to be the hope of glory. That's what it's going to be. So Jesus in me is more powerful than devils in others. And see, we have to believe that. The psychological warfare has been, well, I don't know if he, because the church has become weak. But that doesn't mean that Jesus is weak. And we equate Jesus being weak because his church is weak. Well, I don't know. Well, we should we should we be involved in politics? Well, I don't know. The devil strikes back. We talk about the devil strikes back. He's sitting up on thrones right now in places all over the place. Someone, he strikes back. He's taking ownership of things. We're kind of past that, and we now have to be striking that. Like uh, on uh, the Tuesday night broadcast, the offensive faith, faith on the offense. We need to be offensive and not just defensive, waiting for somebody to almost knock you out and then push back. Get a sword, get a couple, get some weapons of warfare and in the natural. It's about to go down. It's about to be something else. It is right now. We are there right now. Gone are the days of us thinking we have time. Oh, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. There was a time when there was maybe a few shows with some of this agenda, and now I turned on, opened up, I don't know which one of my apps, and they had the promo for the Christmas movie, All Gay Storyline, with men. Typically now it's usually women, with men interracial gay couple, of course. And so the whole storyline is now where it's typically the the girl who's going to go home for Christmas and she has the pretend boyfriend so her parents don't get on her neck about why aren't you getting married. So it's the gay guy 
with his longtime gay friend pretending to be in love, going home with the family. And then when he's with the family, he meets this hottie gay guy. And then the long time, it's the same storyline, long time best friend who's the black guy, and the family loved him. And I said, I looked seriously, I looked at my screen like this. I said, we're here. We're here. And now what? See, this is the now what and the plan what. This is what we're doing to push back. This is what we have to do. Uh, In a moment, we're going to play just a quick sneak peek of really the opener for season two of taking it on with Paula Price because it's, hey, it's in the pipeline. It's coming through. And in the month of December, we'll have new episodes of taking it on with Paula Price. Yes. Yes. Because this disgusting mess that is out there is meant to be shoved down our throats so we become used to it. And we say, what can you do? And I guess I have to watch it because what else is there? Because once you turn, once you desensitize, because desensitizing is just a very subtle way of making you numb to it. Like profanity. You hear it enough, you actually stop hearing it. I remember years ago, Dr. Price saying that. You know how much language is in that movie? Really? Yeah, you all listen to so much profanity, you, it doesn't register that that's what you're listening to. I said, whoa. Now, who likes hearing that? And then you go back and realize it's true. No, I don't think that's true. Let me go back and watch it. You counting words, and you're like, oh, oh, oh. The truth really does make you free. Yeah. When the truth is spoken, all of a sudden it pops your ears pops the veil or the blinders that are on your eyes, and you can really see something for what it is. And this agenda is enticing, and it's just funny, and it's compelling, and the storylines and the terrible things these people go through, and we just need to be good Christians and accept it. Not pray it out of you. Not deliver you from it. Now it's, well, if you're going to be a good Christian, you just have to... Accept it and love them through it. Now, I have loved people while they were in their addiction, but I promise you, it was all about getting them out. Not indulging, not uh, enabling, not affirming. Loving and affirming. No. All this language, all this mess, devils, the devil's agenda. Are you susceptible to the devil's agenda? Can you really watch that trash and it doesn't bother you? I mean, can you watch a whole movie like that and it doesn't bother you? Anywhere at all? I'm back. So season two of Taking It On. (laughs) Because we can all get there. You can really have some things just playing in the backdrop of your mind so much that you think it, and you see the the deception is you think it doesn't impact you. I mean, it doesn't impact me. Well, I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm whatever. One time we went and saw a movie years ago. Straight demonic, which we did not realize until we were in the film. And I was like, what? Because it was all low-key undercover. And somebody else who was with us said, well, I guess I must have been prayed up because it didn't affect me like that. Now, down, yeah, yep. And and so we were like, no, because we're all higher officers. Uh, And at that time, that person wasn't even, and I was like, that's your response is you, you, so you must have been prayed. So chief prophet wasn't prayed up, huh? I wasn't prayed up. None of us were prayed up, but you, and, and that was your arrogant response to that whole thing. So you couldn't discern the devils in the video. 
in the movie. You couldn't detect it. And when we started talking about it as prophets, it was news to you. Your response should never be, well, I guess I was prayed up. No. And you are below everybody having the conversation. Because it's one thing to say it didn't impact. No, yeah, I've seen that. Uh, I, you know, I have a, no. But it's another thing to say, oh, it didn't even, oh, uh, what? No, no, I'm just prayed up. I must have been prayed up. And I thought, God, help us all. Let us not ever get to that place of arrogance. And cock is, Dr. Price teaches smugness. When you're so smug, you think that you are too prayed up and too short up to do whatever. And God isn't sending you on assignment somewhere where he's like, put on your armor. Because he'll tell you, put on your armor. Armor up because you're going in and you're going to take some hits <laughs> and you need to be armed up. So season two of Taking It On, um, uh, Rachel can pull that up real quick. It's, it's very fast. It's the intro of season two so you know what's coming your way. Okay, so you'll want to stay tuned at takingiton.com so you know when new episodes are rolling out. They're rolling out this month in December. Uh, Dr. Price is going to be addressing your health, health care. We're going to talk about prophets, talk about apostles, the sorrowful soul are some of the subjects that we'll be rolling out. Ooh, that sorrowful soul. And it's that time of year, again, end of the year, Christmas, holidays, New Year, where a lot of people who have been maybe pushing off depression or battling it for the year struggle even more. And I tell you what, I'm going to hit this thing because I'm going to hit it. Those fantastical romance movies and whatnot are the detriment to your stability, especially if you are subjected to that whole line of fantastical thinking, oh, I just wish that I, because it's all like once upon a time. I mean, the once upon a time charm is on it. I just, oh, man. And, and so if you're somebody who is prone to just fantasizing and, and wanting to escape life, this is the worst time of year to engage and indulge in those types of shows because you sit there and, oh, you know, I wish I wish I had a little dog like that. Man, I wish I met a guy like that. I wish when I went into the hardware store somebody looked like that and came up to help me and then changed my whole life and, and married me and we lived at the foot of a, this amazing enchanted mountain. Well, I wish that... I wish that I could have somebody just throw me a party like that. How come somebody won't propose to me like that out in the middle of Times Square and the whole world stops and everybody pulls out their phones and they go live and I'm the center of the world for five minutes. And then, yeah, you go viral. Man, I wish I had a five-carat diamond ring. And then, I, and then you're down the street. And then Christmas comes, goes, seasons come, go, and you are disappointed. You're dismayed. People ask you, are you okay? I'm fine. And we're looking at you and your eyes are far, far away. Far, far away. We can look <laughs> Years ago, man, when we first met Dr. Price, she used to say, I'll know when you all have been delivered because the rose-colored glasses are going to fall off you. The stars are going to drop out of your eyes. And all of a sudden, you'll look sober. 
in your face. This is how people know when you're not quite with us. Like, hello, I'm fine, I'm here, even your tone is somewhere else. I'm good. So season two of Taking It On will continue to deliver us from ourselves. Also, at the Congregation of the Mighty, it is the first Saturday coming up of the month, and our men meet the first Saturday of the month. We're going to play you a quick promo of our men's meeting. If you are in Tulsa, in the Tulsa area, stop on by the embassy Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Okay, see, you hear that man's music, the manly music, so you understand what kind of men meet here. Sure they both. And what kind don't. Come on. I both say they so. So you can come in soft and sweet. You will leave a different <laughs> salty. He said you will leave salty. The men's men, the men's men meet at the congregation of the mighty, the mighty men of valor. All right. We always joke and say, can't nobody man you up like Dr. Price. She will make a man out of you. She's got more switches out of men's hips. Yes, Lord. And, and a lot more bending out of the wrist. Oh, yes. You know, artificial is artificial. Come on. Who you Come are. on. Ah. Artificial. They took our bell. Uh, oh, it's right there behind you. Oh, behind my thing. Okay. I got oh. the couch. Listen, we, we got the re- the reflex. We're like, oh. Where's the noise? It is not. Artificial is artificial. And in an era where we think genuineness, authentic, and wholesomeness or holism is the way to go, why are we being fed? Artificial genders. Come on. Artificial. First of all, genders. I think that the word gender is a misnomer. Because how can you generate something by cosmetic surgery? Come on. Or costume. You take away the cosmetics and you take away the costume. That's it. And you take away the artificial elements. We still got what God created on day six. See, what you do to your body will not do away with day six. Let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. Y'all ain't heard me. Take away the costuming. Take away the cosmetics. And then take away the copulation. You got nothing. You got nothing but a roommate. (laughs) That's all you got is a roommate. Because I did my homework. See, you all, the fact is, which, which is what I'm going to talk about today, the fact is everything about this is artificial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everything. Name something that's real about it other than their feelings and their tears. 
<laughs> yeah, but you don't understand. You know, I just, I just, I, and, and trust me, I don't care how mean they get. I've been bullied since I was eight, so I don't bully well. I really don't. But truth is truth. You are not a male or female because of your body, which is why when you get paralyzed, you don't, your gender doesn't automatically change. If it was all about your body, you moving around, then the minute your body becomes dysfunctional, your gender should change to your preference, and it doesn't. And I, and I keep saying that because I want us to get it Especially Christians. I mean, unsaved people, yeah, they, they can be anything. Come on. Because, you know, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. All. But when you are supposed to be born again, which they are not, the true born-again people will not, will not fall into that. Because if you're truly born again, the Holy Ghost is like, I don't want to do that. How many of y'all had the Holy Ghost say, I, I, I don't want to do that? Mm-hmm. Or either he'll get you or he'll say something really confusing like, how long are we going to do this? You're like, we? Yeah. I didn't know we were doing that. <laughs> I didn't know it was a we. But God said, when, whatever you join your body to in a sexual act, yeah. you join them to the Holy Ghost. Wow. So the Holy Ghost is like, I'm not doing that. Right. And he steps away. Well, He's like, I'm not, uh-uh. he'll warn you or whatever. But when he realizes that's what you want, he cuts you off. Apostasy is God amputating you. Remember, cosmetic, you need all of the lipstick and whatever, costuming, attire, and copulation, the sex act. That's it. There is nothing genuine. And all three of those have one thing in common, and you know what they are? They are deeds. They're not issues. They're not even effects. They're deeds. In other words, they are volitional deeds. So, you know, and see, I, when I grew up in Newark, New Jersey, you know, they always kind of flood the ghetto first. You ever notice they flood the people who can't think? People who just love to feel and they're miserable with life anyway? So when I went, grew up in, in uh, Newark, New Jersey, they flooded. And I met many of them as they were making that, that turn, turning that corner. And I, wanted, I really believed, like everybody else, that there was something internal, something genetic, something organic, not something performed. Mm-hmm. Nothing organic about it. I don't care what you see. I don't care what you see in the mirror. Because let me tell you something, the serial killer sees dead bodies in the mirror. We, we're not trying to legitimize that. That's right. The pedophile sees bunches of little kids, fresh bottoms for them to uh, abuse. Yep. Nobody's trying. We've got problems with that. we got the thief sees the master thief. We think about the uh, imposter can make you see anything you want. Mm-hmm. So even the visual right. is contrived. Right. And I know that. And in that, coming up in those ears, I crossed paths with a lot of homosexual people because, you know, when Satan gets ready, he's like any other marketeer. When he gets ready to take over something, he floods the market with it. You flood the consciousness, and then you flood the market. Because when you flood the consciousness, you create the appetite. 
You watch. Think how many times you watch a commercial before you end up buying that. Okay. Think about how many times you watch a documentary on somebody, somebody whose family put them out because that they were gay. First of all, as far as I'm concerned, you cannot be gay and born again. That is a fact. That is a fact. Now, you can be gay and be churched. You can be gay and be religious. You can. You could be gay in a church here. You can even be gay in a Christian. You cannot be gay as the elect. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so when we think about it, and we act as if because they have they languages, which is why God gave me such a masterful gift of words. I have an amazing gift of words because we got to word out the, over, the overrolling and the overriding of this thing. So the masterful gift of words. But when you go back and trace it all the way back, it still comes down to sodomy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Can't change that. They don't tell you that the number one killer is rectal or anal cancer. Right. Number one. They don't want to tell you that because that kills the whole move. That's right. So, and, and, and if you're in a position where you just can't, like you're, you can't help it, like the girls in the sex trade and all of that, mm-hmm. that's one thing. Then God calls you a captive, uh-huh. right. not a complicitor. Mm-hmm. When you're out and you're on your own, that's a decision. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, my favorite word, nobody has yet ever died from not having sex. That's true. Now, you could die from a lot of things. You can die from having too much sex before you die from not having any. We got people too. <laughs> Isn't it the truth? People die from too much sex. They don't die from abstinence. Abstinence has never killed or infected anyone. <laughs> Y'all all right? Out there in my social media people, I want you all to understand that because, see, lies he tells. And you go to God. And you ask God to help you find your compatible mate. But you can't stand the opposite sex. Let me just help you out. Satan can't stand the opposite sex because God didn't give him one. See, God never gave Satan an opposite, which is why he's still an Adam. But he didn't. He did not make an Eve for Lucifer. Eve didn't get a Lucifer. That's why he's hijacking all of Adam. Sometimes we we need to come off of the Bible said and all of that and get down to the reality of what this actually is. And so he never gave Lucifer a wife. You understand that when Cain fell, he got to take a wife with him. Uh He got to take a wife. Adam got to take a wife. But did you notice... In reality, when homosexuality actually shows up, it's when the angels that left their first estate began descended on the planet. That's why you know it's devils. First of all, number one reason you know it's devils is because it's infectious. The second reason you know it's devil is because it's destructive. The next reason you know it's devil is because it's compulsory. Now, just think about it. Somebody tells you that it feels really great for you to have your anus ripped. 
Oh, y'all need to, we need to, hey, maybe we need to put a little crawl, a little something across the bottom here, right? No, that's nobody. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we need to crawl, yeah, yeah. put a little something, just crawl, crawl on here. <laughs> the next reason you know it's not God is because it, it guarantees the, the extinction of the human race. Correct. Yes. Yes. No reproduction. So the first law of existence, which is a spiritual law, be fruitful and multiply. See, God didn't say to a husband and wife, be fruitful and multiply. He said to a male and a female. He never told the husband and wife he didn't have to because he told them that that is the human goal in eternity. Day six, on day six, let us make man in our image and likeness. And, you know, we all quote it, but nobody puts together that he said that you are male and female without a body. Isn't that amazing? Before he put us in a body, he only made two, two genders, male and female, made he them. So that means your spirit is either male or female. I don't care what your cosmetics and your costumes say. That means that your soul is either male or female. It doesn't make a difference what your costuming and your cosmetics say. You understand that everything that they try to push on us is costuming or cosmetics, is it not? Yes. And they're pushing on our kids' copulation. Yes. And so I have taught this for, I don't know, however many years, whatever that article is that I had earlier. But I want you to understand, God is not dealing with your body. He's dealing with the perversion of your other life or afterlife self. Pre-life, your pre-body and your afterlife have nothing to do with your flesh, for your flesh goes back to the dust of the earth. He said, well, from the dust you came. So you're, you could sit there and say, well, I just think we can, you know, we go into heaven. I had somebody even said to me, well, if it's not the body, then I guess it's all right. No, it isn't. Because you, it's not about your body. It's 100% about why, that God not letting you get in his planet doing what, what Lucifer did. God is not bringing any perversion into his world, not one. He said several times in the New Testament that he was not bringing the effeminate in his world. So you got to fix that on this side, this side, not that side. On that side, your body is gone. And you've got to deal with how your soul conducted your body and how your spirit commanded and engineered your soul. You corrupt your spirit. Spirits are born just what they are, babies. So you corrupt your spirit. So you can go and tell all of that, you know, and y'all, I don't care how much they tell you you are affirmed, you are affirmed by the doomed. And doom affirming is not the same as the blessing of God or the forgiveness of God for what you did not know what you were doing or could not avoid. I'm saying this because God does not love you as a homosexual body because your body is going back to the dust. So all your cosmetics, all of your consciousness, all of your costuming means nothing to God. Your last costuming, may, you may be put in a coffin as the, the sharpest drag queen that ever existed. 
Oh, good. So you can get the article. So you understand. See, that is the problem with being a churchian rather than being redeemed. Religion can change its rules any way it wants because it's, <clears throat> excuse me, it's con- concocted by devils. So it can change any way it wants. When you read those 200 devils that descended to, to, to literally help Satan establish civilization according to his darkness in this world, they're all male. They don't have wives, which is why the only way they can any, have any pleasure before they stole wives and reproduced them is they had to have sodomy. They had to have sodomy for, for companionship. And they still are. I have laid hands. I promise you I am really really have lived this. You know, I, I appreciate coming up to this. I laid hands on gay people, and I saw the – I laid hands on one man that was like, I just can't help it. He's married. He was married at the time, and his wife was understanding, and I just want you to understand, uh, a baby, mm-mm, mm-mm, no. No, I can't understand how are you going to take that same object and put it in the back and the front. See, because that's nasty. I don't care what you say. So I'm going to need that. You might as well put it in the sink and put it in the ground. I'm going to get the same disease. Okay, so Rachel, you're going to... If any of you are... If any of you all are new to me, this is not normal. And if any of you all are part of my very high thinking, high officials, etc., y'all need to forgive me, but I really am helping you out. <laughs> because when you see it on television, you see the foreplay. You don't see the penetration. Come on. You don't see the blood. You don't see the feces. You don't see any of that. They show you the foreplay. We're going to kiss. We're going to fondle a little bit, and that's it. They don't show you all of the other stuff. If you notice, Scripture deals more with gay men than gay women because God feels like that's a default because it produces nothing either, but it's not a seed. There's nothing seedling about it. Don't forget I'm going to ask for an offering later on. (laughs) I better get my offering up. I might not get my money today. I'm like, Jesus. Honey, I can get good money. So the seed is where God's first irritant is because the sperm is ejaculated in feces. That means it's killing lives. It's killing generations. You know, when I talk about abortion, what do I always say? You may get rid of a being, but you've gotten rid of generations. Generations. You don't just, just because you, I don't want, to, I don't want the baby, you don't just say, I don't want the baby. You, you, you think that that's the end of it all. Well, I know I don't have to raise a kid, but that kid doesn't get an opportunity to make kids. You kill generations. 
That is huge. So when we say we we got 60 million aborted children that are now becoming science materials, we can't estimate the billions of lives and generations that will never hit the planet. Likewise, homosexuality. Those that that sperm will never get an opportunity to multiply itself after its own kind. It never will. I can't even imagine what God must feel like to see all of his this 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 rich life, sperm life. Mm-hmm. Dumped in a sewer, because that's about the equivalent of it. Because yep. see, we, we we still we're arguing over the television glamour, we're arguing over tears, we're arguing over over broken hearts, and and we're, ar- we're arguing over frustrated sexual impulses mm-hmm. and perverse satisfaction of those impulses. That is not what God is arguing over. God is arguing over the extinction of the human race. And Satan has been working on extinguishing the human race from the beginning. From Moses, let's kill all the Jews, all the Jewish babies, okay? And even probably long before that, all the way down to, you know, teaching them how to abort their kids. You know, the fallen angels taught people how to abort. At least that's what we understand from Enoch. He taught them, he gave them classes in aborting their babies. And so everything that we're holding our argument on is based on emotionality. It is not based on even justice. There's no justice for these kids. No justice whatever for these kids. And there's no justice for the pedophiles who keep looking for kids. There's no justice for them. There are nations existing today that is their, their offering to visitors because Satan wants to get rid of Adam. Now, he almost made it with the first Adam. Then God had to go and send that last one. So the last Adam is the Lord from heaven. And so when you think about it, devils engineered and designed homosexuality. That is why devils, these people become mean. You see how mean they are? They're devils. Their devils are like, oh, no, I ain't going nowhere. Uh -uh, mm -mm." They're mean. They're unjust. I mean, are they not? They're abusive. They're hostile. I meet very few of them that are calm, and they're calm until you hit that hot button. At what point? The defender rises up. That's right. And that defender will lash out at you and everything else. Because that defender has got to, when Satan got kicked out of heaven, before he got kicked out, because if you look at the timing of the, uh, the event, or at least the sequence, because sometimes the timing is not that, but before they, he got kicked out, the Bible said that dragon, in, in uh, Revelation 12, that dragon's tail collected a third of the angels. Mm -hmm. And it said he cast them down to earth. Now, that's pretty deep. We haven't gotten to the war. So he cast one-third of the angels down to the earth. 
when you read in the prophet's writings, I want to say, uh, um, I want to say, and one of you all will find it, Micah, where it talks about them saying that the head is the priest, but the tail is the prophet. So that tells me that he prophesied, he invented false prophecy, he prophesied to the citizenry and its population to get them to agree with him to rise up against God's up to that point, heretofore, pristine and peaceful civilization. So he, he understands Satan has already been judged. He's not going to get judged again. We have to understand this. He has been judged. He's judged as a king. He's judged as a sovereign. He's judged as a rebel. He's judged as a turncoat, a traitor, a fallen angel. And all of those are the tools of his trade. They are the weapons of his warfare. So he's already been judged. You, we, we're like, oh, yeah, but God's going, mm-mm. When, even when, 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 you know, when they say he's going to crush the devil under your feet soon. Anybody ever figure out what the soon clock of God is? <laughs> I, what, what is it? I mean, is it the S and the N? Is that? I don't know. I've been on soon duty and soon watch for decades. I'm still on soon watch. I was on soon watch this morning at 425. I'm still on soon watch. And you know, the hand doesn't really move like that. So God, you said it 10 years ago, soon. That's, and that's what you get. The ticker says, hold fast to your confidence to the end. Wait in patience. Wait in faith. So soon can be a very long time. Paul was writing that to a new church, but he was writing it, but God was saying it in the mind of, A, the nuclear church, and, B, the generations to come. So every, for every generation is soon. Yeah. Hallelujah. Now, there are times that God will intermittently or incidentally crush Satan under your feet if he wants to stop an assault and attack. But this is the same God that had Paul said, I sought the Lord three times. Three times. Paul is God's guy. He's God's go-to. All right? He said, but a thorn in the flesh was given to me to buffet me. For the abundance of revelation that I had, because remember, Paul's pride is through the roof. Remember, he's killing Christians, snatching them out of their houses, traveling the, the countryside, etc. being the apostle of doom. And so he said, I sought the Lord. And, and some of us know this about God. We know God ain't going to fix something. You know, share they both. Bless his holy heart. We know he, I'm not doing, okay. And so he said, I sought the Lord three times. And the Lord says, my what? Is what? You know, this is up there with Simon, Simon, Satan has desired you. And I did not deny him. So I'm going to need Jesus. Okay. Access, no, have him, Joe. 
You see my servant Job? I really like him. I mean, he is good. He's my guy. I mean, I really, really love Job. Okay, me and Joe, we have handled a lot of business together. We, you know, adjudicated a lot of. Joe is a judge. He's my ex. Okay, Satan, does he uh, <laughs> does he love you for nothing? <laughs> I bet you he just if you take his stuff. God didn't say no. He said okay, because if Satan said it to the Almighty at the meeting with all of the angels, everybody heard it oblige him to prove Job is what the Almighty has already deduced and assessed him to be. So God has these moments where he's not going to stop it. Remember, we talked, I believe, Sunday, that some test is to prove that you're God's best. And so here we are. I sought the Lord three times. And he said, my grace. Now, that's how you know the hyper-grace stuff is crazy. Because grace was not where Paul was. Torture. <laughs> you know, it's kind of having that beast thing that you can't move. You know, that thing is constantly getting to you. And so Paul is in torture. He's in a torture chamber. I got to do this ministry. And think about it. Of all that Paul suffered, the thing that tortured him most was the thorn. The man has been stoned. He's been beaten. He's been arrested. He's been thrown in the dungeons of the dungeon. He's been starved. He has been, uh, you know, uh, accused. He's been misjudged, everything. And what is he asking God for? Because he can make a direct correlation between whatever that thorn was. He said thorn in the flesh. So whatever that thorn was and uh, his revelation of Jesus Christ. And so I could imagine, like we do, God, God, how does I'm working for you? Do you faithful as I've been to you? I mean, I go here, I took this, I did this, and I'm revealing you, and you didn't stop this devil from buffeting me? I could imagine him being very disturbed with the fact that all of the other things, somehow or another, Paul felt he deserved. But somehow he needed Jesus to mitigate that thorn in the flesh. And we do that. See, that's minister's cry. We do that all the time. A lot of these people fell away from God because of what Paul went through. They got a thorn in the flesh. They only got the prick. They didn't even get the whole thorn. You know, I mean, a bee sting and a rose thorn are not the same. They're very different. Both penetrate the flesh. And so a lot of people walk away from God based on that. And even less. They saw the, the, the bee coming. I'm out. I'm done. I'm done. It's over. Okay, yours truly is the party. And so when you think about it and what, what we teach as the gospel, I will go back and say, as I get to my subject, there is no Christian who is filled with the Holy Ghost can be a homosexual. And certainly not for long, because God's going to warn him, warn him, warn him, and then remove him. Mm. Because they blaspheme his name. They profane him. They 
they literally cast aspersions on his grace and his righteousness. So he's going to remove them. They're diseases. Those diseases are there to get them off the planet if they don't repent. Because there are people that, I'm sorry, I'm just too weak to stop. God said, well, okay, I'll help you. I'll stop you. I'll give you your way out so that I can keep your soul in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. So they can tell you, I don't care what they say, and they can say, we don't believe the Bible. You believe somebody, you're following the Quran, you're following the Vedas, you're following the Vestas, you're following something. But I'm telling you that it is evident that when the body dies, it goes back to the dust. So all of that, multi-tens of thousands of dollars of surgery and cosmetic surgery you have means nothing. It makes you feel good. It doesn't change who you are. It changes how you appear. And it changes the comfort of your behaviors. That's all. You feel comfortable. And you got to stay around your folk. You know, but that's all right. We need to stay around ours. I'm a sheer, you know, I'm just saying. And I I wanted to get that to you because we can talk all day long, but for those of us who have to be the recovery team, the rescuers, we've got to have the right articulation because the arguments that are being thrown are ridiculous. So, And if you notice, they know their arguments don't make sense, which is why they get angry. They go malicious on you. They get because they know they're malignant. That's why they go malicious. Did you want your other bell, baby? Yes. Okay. Can't have it. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. For the what? And let's all get there, cause y'all be mumbling, Karen. Off. That's cause we got too many. We got too many different Bibles. That's what that is. We don't know what word we're saying, cause we got all of these fakeru Bibles. So let's just go and read this. You know, I only have one argument with King James, and that is the fact that he hated women. So we sat, we, we walking around talking about we got the little man of the heart. No, we don't. We got the little women of the heart. I see my spirit. It does not come up a male. That's why I know this is a lie. My spirit is a female who is absolutely, magnificently gorgeous. She radiates her own life. And we work together quite well. And when you get to that place in God where you're like Paul, you've met your spirit. He said, when you get together and gather together with my spirit, Ezekiel, my spirit went back to Jerusalem from Babylon. And so those who are not up close and tight with the Almighty, they'll tell you it's an allegory. And all symbolic spirit is a real being. And that, that girl, I cannot wait to us, me and her, start working together, like becoming one, because she's amazing. Fearless as the day is long. Strengthened, direct, correct. And I was like, but God, I don't know if I should say this. He said, Paul said it. Paul talked about his spirit being distinct from his body all the time. And she controls the soul. So you all can stop having 
the little, the, the hidden man. Or the, we are women. Your spirit is female, and if you're a male, your spirit is male. Your spirit is the untainted, uncorrupted version of you. And I happen to, I, mean, I enjoy my, I really do. I say, come on, girl, let's go head on. And let me tell you, when you get in, when, I, when I'm in sleeping at night, and you know the devil likes to come and get you when he thinks you're powerless, that girl stands up, and she's like a shield. She throws, whoa. I said, oh, God, this is awesome. And this is in addition to the Holy Ghost. This thing that God did called redemption, not just salvation, redemption. I said, God. I really do. I really appreciate that, girl. Second Corinthians 10. And she, I mean, really does her job. And on it, on it, I don't know how to behave and treat Jesus right. Girl, give me classes. Isn't that wonderful to know? Yeah. There is a hope in Jesus. See, when, you, when your spirit grows up, see, most people don't grow their spirit to that state. So your spirit is still like a little toddler running around in your, in your being, hanging on to the coattail of the Holy Ghost. Ready? Mm. I want to start at, I, my, I, now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who am present and base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with the confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. Now, it's very powerful to, um, to think about what he's saying. He, Paul is saying, I know that you all think we're just, we're just only lip service. We only give word. And I know you think that we don't have the power, for example, of your former priest of the other gods. So you all are cutting up because you think we have no options, no recourse, no powers, nothing, no alternatives. And he's saying that's not true. And in order to understand this, you have to be that apostle that God has so trusted, endowed, and emboldened. He said, because he goes on, he said, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. So many times when you see people saying, we don't war after the flesh, they're thinking, okay, so we just go and talk in tongues. And then we yell at the devil. We get all that. But Paul is saying, we know our targets. We know our objects. And we know the tools of our trade. You know Paul had tools because we see him over there in Acts, God doing unusual miracles with him. People bringing handkerchiefs and, and, and devils is running handkerchiefs. Come on, some. Oh, help me, Jesus. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And that means, when he's talking about that, that means that they are not the, what Satan must have. Did you know witchcraft is a work of the flesh? Right. So our weapons supersede that. Because our weapons are not carnal. They're superb. He said, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of what? Strongholds. Strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the what? See, because our job is to switch the knowledge, your knowledge of Satan for the knowledge of God. 
That's my job, and I'm to make God make sense. I am to make God make sense to you to the point that you can intelligently as well as articulately persuade others of who he really is because Satan has a constant smear campaign. And much of the church has bought into his smear campaign. He's smearing the Godhead. You know, I mean, if God was a good God, I'm thinking if you were a good citizen, Let's start basic. We don't even have to go to heaven. Let's work on earth. Okay? Okay? I'm sitting here thinking all of the people you have heard stolen from in ignorance, naive, naivety, whatever. I was like, no. And then he said, and bringing into captivity every thought. Do you understand? Every thought. That means we got power over how people think. Now, that doesn't mean they convert. There are a lot of people who know this Bible is right and don't want to deal with Jesus. I like to have my playtime. I like to let my flesh out every now and again. (laughs) (laughs) I got to let it out every now and then to please itself, to satisfy itself. It said, but every thought to the obedience of Christ, as long as we pull in Christ, whether they like us, don't like us, agree or disagree, we still have power to cast down every one of their imaginations or arguments. And when you look at the word imaginations, it, they're talking about the framework and the, how they frame life to live it. That's a powerful term. It says, and having a readiness to revenge. So how is it that meekness and revenge can be coming out the same man's mouth? having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. You can't cast out a devil that is still using you. You can't cast out a devil that's relying on you. Because you all have a covenant. You have a contract. You've contracted that spirit to support influence and undergird your flesh. You did that. And you can stop it anytime you want. You don't have to lie. You can ask God to just get put your lie alarm in your soul. Okay, you know, because he'll say that God when I was first getting trained, God was saying, No, but that's that he said, That's a lie. Really? I said, I've been saying it for years. <laughs> you know, you know how we do the Lord Lord, really? Why didn't you say something years ago? But God will correct you when you can withstand him. If you can't withstand his righteousness, then he indulges you. But that doesn't mean the consequences are suspended because they are not. So when you read this, you understand that Paul, Paul is a principality. You read that, you know that the apostles are, because they set up regions. They did not just set up congregations the way we're doing. We're just, we just running around congregation after congregation. See, the reason that we, the church is where it is is because our adversary knew that this thing had to be eternal, heavenly, celestial, and terrestrial. So we did not do that. We wanted it to be terrestrial, Meaning that you come to my church. 
not that you create, you become a stronghold, a literal physical stronghold in the planet, in a particular area. They, they, they gripped this thing because they understood how God builds nations and civilizations. We wanted to know how God made churches big. And even the people in the church didn't agree with each other. But it looked really good to say I got 10,000 people who don't, and 8,000 of them don't know Jesus. 8,000 of them won't even say grace in public because they're too ashamed of the man. See, God doesn't work like that. The church, the early church, was not about congregations. It was about civilization. It was about regions and territories where you had more, where the church was the centerpiece, the city hall, if you will, or the town hall, if you will, and everything else was the stronghold. That's what Paul did. You know, and so we and we have people like when they go to other countries, they do that. They train them to do that, but then they don't for some reason. And I, I follow most of the what do you call them? Most of these movements, renewals, whatever they have, and they don't last long. So my question is, what is don't? What what, what are we doing wrong? Because they don't last long. Somehow or another, God's adversaries can set up realms and territories like yours and keep them for decades. I read an article once that said most of those churches that we had through the faith movement are not in existence or have converted to other things. Why? Because you're trying to bring, you're trying to gather people and herd them. And see, God doesn't want them herded into a building. He wants them distributed, disseminated, and dispatched to win communities and neighborhoods, and not just with little corner stores. Okay, you bought a mall, and, so, and, and then these people done put up towers. They got towers, and we happy because we got a little mall. We got a little piece of corner store. Isn't it? At best, we can do hospitals. At best. But when it comes to maintaining business, I cannot tell you how many Christian big business leaders I've sat down with over the years who once the business got built and got successful, sold it because they did not want the warfare. The weapons of my warfare are not carnal but mighty through God for pulling down strongholds. Stronghold is the territory of a principality. And I've been talking about this. I've been on this subject for a while, um, and I want us to to continue to walk through it because God told me, it wasn't last December, December before last, he told me that he was going to choose and supernally, I want to say supremely because that's the word he used, supremely, endow 2.5 million of his children to seat in the heavenly realm as the principalities of light because he said, I'm clearing the heavens. And you hear the people say, well, 
I don't know if that's God. Jesus said, once more, I will shake the heavens and the earth. What do you think he's going to do? Shake them to give them a free ride? He's shaking them loose as one shakes the tree so that he can put those who are faithful in their seats. And, he, and, and a lot of them are in the making now. Like they're now in the making. You understand that once we, got, once we lost Graham, Oral, Hagen, and uh, all of those people, the more we lose that old guard, the more that we aren't ready to assume what they're doing. And we have to assume they, they chose the right successors if they chose one at all. Okay? These devils are coming after their replacement. And we and the people of God can't help him. God is like, you do realize I can fix any of this. He told me, I can fix this. He said, man, read the Bible, me and my angels. You know, God sent the angel into the army. They went to sleep. Angel came in and killed everybody uh-huh. and enriched God's people. Yeah. Nobody, not, a, not an arrow or anything. He can do that. Yeah. Deborah goes to war. Half of the male um, leaders didn't want to back her. Most of them, God didn't care. He sent an angel to wage war with her, for her, on her behalf. I know we don't realize that because people ask, well, 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 who is you? You know, I really it gets me when I hear men say, well, we're the men. I'm like, you are. If I'm the God and I'm righteous and I'm doing what's right, then what is wrong with God's men? Come on, come on. That means that the church is still sanctioning theological chauvinism, or gender bias. I'll listen to you from the background. I'll be around the corner, down the street. But I want you to understand, me and God talked about, you know me and God talk about everything. Me and God talked about this. God and I, I can say it if you want me to be grammatically correct. (laughs) But God and I talked about this. And you know what he said? He said, the embarrassment will come when I tell them you cut off 50% of my workforce. So they carry double the load because you gave them half the help. He said, so when I talk about rewards in heaven, you won't have one because I already know you're biased. I already know you don't care if I win or lose. I already know you don't care if I succeed or fail because you will not release my resources. You won't back anything that doesn't fit your gender. And he said, and in my heaven, we don't have that because everybody who makes it there is the wife, is the bride, is the leader. That's what he told me. He said, because if I say your works will follow, you think I'm going to bless your efforts. But where I could have won had you not been unfair to that woman, where I could have won had you not been biased, where I could have won where you had not put a man in place who was ill-equipped and unprepared over what would give me the victory. He said, if that's your attitude now, that's a soul issue. He said, I'm not going to respect that in my world because I'm not looking to lose. See, because they talk all of that stuff and then tell you, well, you know, the, the Lord, uh, the, you know, the Bible said, no, no, the Bible didn't say that. And I'm going to tell you right now, go to my teaching on women in ministry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I don't walk around with an identity complex because you have one. Yeah. And I don't care whether you're male or female, sister, save or not. But God told me, he said, these men will serve my women. They wouldn't do it on earth to help them help me, but they will serve my women in eternity because the women will have more works to their credit. Come on. Hey. 
Now, I, I don't often say this, but is it right? Yeah. You know, we're sitting here struggling with whatever, uh, well, not now, but we were on all the years, and all of these men sitting around the table talking about, yeah, but, you know, she need a man over. For what? I don't need a zipper. Why do I need a man over me when I need to have the brother and sister of the Lord working beside me? What is over me going to do? How is that going to help? But the fact is, God says it's a matter of poor judgment. Now, that's his words. He said, but it's a matter of poor judgment. He said, in biased thinking. And right now, I tolerate it because I have a bigger issue on the table and a greater agenda. He said, but when I'm handing out my reward, I'm going to ask you about the sister so-and-so that you cheated. I'm going to ask you about the female apostle that you passed over. I'm going to ask you about the female prophet that you maligned. I'm going to ask you about all of the female works that you let die and help kill. Because you thought you were fighting them. But in effect, Satan was using your flesh and your bias to fight me. Because when you're on somebody's team and when you're on their side, you set aside whatever would cause the team to lose. Millions of women left Jesus Christ because of male bias. Millions. And God is going to hold you all accountable for that. Millions of women stopped believing in him, turned to the occult, turned to darkness, because they had a genuine call that you despised. And you can stand in front of God and talk about all the nations you visited and all of the people you prayed for and all of the folks you did and all of the food and meals you handed out, and God's going to ask, but you never replicated anything after your own kind but a male, and that's a problem. And is that not the spirit we're fighting with, males trying to replicate males? So you then, God is like, my daughters are crying on my altar for a, a break, a handout, a breakthrough, to pay rent, to pay rent in a little hole while you pass through and make your comments about women run this and that. My daughters, and I speak to death from the father to fathers, that theology causes you to not even bless your own daughters. You can't back your daughters. You can't give them grace. You cannot see to it that they make it. And if you do, it will not be for Jesus Christ. You'll send them to college and then command them to marry a man where they can't use the college degree. God said, I hold you fathers as much responsible for your daughters being out of place and out of purpose as I hold them. I've watched, I've listened to these things. Men, you got 400 mentees, 300 are women. They don't get invitations. Oh, no, see, I'm pushing 70 now. Y'all ran me at 40, but I don't run anymore. They don't get invitations. They get to be sent to the kitchen. They got to fry the chicken. They got to fix the this and fix the that. While you all have your deep theological discussions, the main of which is God using women. Mm. 
When when scripture said there's neither male nor female. This is this goes all the way back to Paul when he says in Philippians, could you help these women who are laboring with me in the truth? Could you help them? The apostle that did the most for women was Jesus' closest buddy because you can't be close to Jesus and not love all his creation and care about his win. It's You'd rather see a woman run out of ministry because she's out of order and she's not with her husband and she's not with a man and she's not engaged. You'd rather see her fail even though she was succeeding in Christ. You'd rather see Jesus fail than have your theology crushed or discredited. I asked God once, you know, amen. Like I said, I've been at this thing a long time, and at 40, I I lived all of that. That's why I I take care of my sheep. I I don't allow them to know, and I don't care if you're male or female, I fight for my own. But I know the con. I pressed. I thank God for giving me to a point that I can be a blessing to the to the his daughters because I there was a time I couldn't. But I take I make it a point to see into it that they get the best training, the best opportunities, the best outlets, the recognition. I don't I, they don't go and people treat them terrible and I don't come back at them because I do, I really do, mm-hmm. and they'll tell you I will. No 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 no. Because I, I ask God, why me? Because I'm telling you, if you ask my parents before they died, they would have said I was the last likely choice to do this. I'm telling you, I have no idea why. But maybe it is my sense of justice. You can't tell God you're just and you're biased against your own female in your own church. You're putting men over women simply because they got a zipper. I'm telling you. I promise you, and I mean it, God said to me, but they're going to serve my women. And he, he said, where they can't change and they can't back out because God is no respecter of persons, and he's a just God. And he said, your works will follow. So it, I'm telling you now, I don't know why, but I think because we're getting ready to have a major shift from God, a major shift in his hand, and God is like all hands on deck. I need everything I have doing what they are supposed to do. I I, I cannot continue to work with 50% of my workforce. Sideline and menial stuff. What did he say, Martha and Mary? Mary was caught up in all the menial, but Martha had a sense of purpose and identity. She said, I need to to eat from this man's mouth and not from my sister's cooking. I pray, and I do pray, because I promise you, some of you all don't have a whole lot of time to fix this. Some of you all, you, God has been struggling with you and wrestling with you for decades not, and with, with your false theology, with your biases and bigotry over what he needs. And I'm telling you, this, God said that to me. He said, this is the era of comeuppance. I'm making every high mountain low and every valley high. He said, and this is the season of the underdog. He said, and I'm fighting for the underdog in this era. It's time for us to grow up. And you know what's so important? What makes it important? Where we are today. Where we are today. God has women who will not obey him because their pastor shunned them. 
and shut them down. He's got women who are sitting on the side who can't even believe a word he says because the institution shut them down. People ask me, so Dr. Price, why is God doing this for you? Because I'm fair with God. I want him to win. I am in it for him to win everything that is his. I want him to have the super force, not just superstars. I want him to win. And if that means that I've got to adjust my beliefs and values, my preferences and pet peeves, then I'll do it because we're supposed to be here for this man's victory. He's looking at a nation that doesn't want him to be their God, at least on surface. I, I just believe that. He's looking at nations that have been taken over, women being ripped apart around the planet. We, you may not be ripping us apart physically, but that same thing is happening to us solically. We are being decapitated. We are being amputated. That is happening. And if you think about it, and if you want to know, I'm going to give you a test. Can I give them a test? Yes. All right, I'm going to give a test. I'm going to give you a test, litmus, acid, whatever, straw test, call it one. Ask yourself. I want you to go online, and I want you to download two pictures, a group of men in their black clergy council attire and a group of women in their attire. I want you to just download it and turn it face down and walk away. The next day, I want you to turn it up and say, and ask yourself, if you're going to be honest, ask yourself which one engendered your credibility. Which one did you regard more? We give an event, and men don't come. Men give an event, and we fill the room. Women fill the room. Huh? Women fill the room. That's what I said. We give an event, women fill the room. You give an event, and we get maybe 10%, 20%. Why? Theological conditioning. Doctrinal conditioning. If a woman gets a promotion, huh? if a man gets a promotion, we got to roll out the red car, copper, and the barrel. You have this, and you know, it's been years, and a lot of women, a lot of women have not said anything. But see, no, no male, I'm talking about in terms of my ministry journey, no male helped my journey. I had those who helped me buy, do this, like I blessed the men that helped me do this building. That's the first time. But it wasn't churchmen. There's only one church man, no other, not another one. And and when I pray, I pray for their business because, you know, I've got power with God. I pray for them to make so much money that their kids, kids, kids are going to be thanking me. But all this time, my battle, the fighting, the lying, the cheating, the stealing, the discrediting, those were my Christian brothers. The ostracizing, alienation. Now, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm a fight. I've been a fighter all my days. So, I, you know, as far as I was coming up, I'm going to make it to see the best of y'all going. Yes, I did. And I have. I, I told I'm going to be around to see the best of y'all going. You know why? Because I committed myself to being God's best. 
So I did, and I committed myself to being fair to the people he called. I don't have destiny bias. So I think this bias, this destiny is more important than that destiny. If God wants to use them, then I'm going to use them. If they cut up, I'm going to cut them loose. That's me. I'm not, I don't waste time with those who are still wondering. You have to know. Well, even at the truth, you have to know that you know. But all of that and still with all of that, God proved to a whole lot of folk that he called me and that he anointed me. He that anointed and appointed me is God. And I have this ministry because of Jesus Christ. Now, do I have wonderful brothers in the Lord? Yes, I do. I do. Not a lot, but yes, I do. And I pray for them and cover them and whatever. And you know what they all know? They all know that this was a hellish road for me. They do. And they tell me, God sent me to you because I know this was a hellish road. And what am I going to do with their blessings? And what am I going to do with these opportunities? I'm going to do as much as I can to correct and course correct and balance the ship. People meet my females and they're stunned because they're like, wow, but y'all are, y'all are strong. Right, because God is strong. How are you going to be weak with a strong God? You know, sit there talking about how almighty Jesus is, and you're chattering your teeth because you have to take a mic. <laughs> God raised up wonderful help for me in this last two years. But up until two years ago, that was not the case. I can't even tell you how many men I sat there and asked them for help, and they rebuked me for being in love with poverty. They actually told me, you're broke because you love poverty. Now, I want you to hear how stupid it can get for us. I had I asked another man if he would help me and let me know, I'm sorry, but I just don't invest like that in women. I'm paraphrasing because it was longer and meaner. I can't even tell you how many of them say, well, if you, if you had somebody over you, you'd be blessed. If you had a man helping you, you'd be blessed. You'd be blessed. And you know what I kept saying? I got a man. They call him the man called Jesus Christ. The man Christ Jesus. I'm saying this because a lot of you sisters out there, you're brokenhearted right now. And you're brokenhearted, and you knew you heard God. You knew God called you. You knew the Lord spoke to you. You knew it, you affirmed it, and you went to the wrong church. Or you signed up with the wrong mentor. You should check people's theology first to see if their theology can support your destiny. You went over there, and definitely you weren't going to come to a woman because the stigma on women in ministry was so great, you thought you could circumvent it. And yet here we are. But God said, I need you to get up, Deborah, one more time. Mary, I need you to get up one more time. Cheryl, get up one more time. Patricia, get up one more time. I'm telling you, my daughters, get up. Because all the while you were suffering, I was building women like you to help you. And some of you all, you've been crying so long that you've forgotten it. I travel and I prophesy to women and I see what they had to forego just to survive. Thrival is off the table. And I have no understanding of why I'm here 
because that certainly is not what I got. You can see I got something else on the screen. <laughs> but I do know this much. You need to know that no matter what happened to you or how harmed you feel, you cannot unseat what you don't defeat. You must first defeat the person in your predestined seat. That means you have to ride the storms. That means you have to be smarter, wiser, quicker, whatever. They talk about uh, my mind and all of that. Were you kidding? I read this one here, this one here, casting down imagination or argument or whatever your Bible says. And every high thing, that was my goal. That drove me every time I thought about it. I would say, I got the mind of Christ. I'm going to go toe-to-toe. I'm going to go head-to-head. And you know why? Because I do believe that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I felt like if, if, if God wanted to crush my flesh, then it needed to be crushed. If he wanted to let me know what humiliation feels like, I needed to know. If he wanted me to know what it is to have to fall and get up and fall and get up and get pushed down, knocked down, and get up again and again and again, he, that's because I needed it. And you know why? Because I was not going to be a local on-the-corner minister. I was called to be a stronghold. I was called to be a principality, and I'm clear on that. I'm called to be a sovereign because God is looking for these people out here. You're doing a great job. Don't give up. We're standing with you. Hallelujah. That's good. But God's problem is principalities. God's problem is strongholds. God's problem is devils. God's problem is devil seeds. God's problem is witchcraft in high places. See, that's God's problem. He doesn't need witchcraft in high places. He needs us as his witnesses. I'm telling you. So I'm not going to change. I hope, I mean, I hope you do. I hope some of you all hear me today and realize it's time to get up off the floor. It's top, time to stop hiding out in your prayer closet. It's time for you to get put on your battle gear. We like to talk about Ephesians 6, but we want to war in the closet with stickies on the wall. Okay, you got the sticky weapon. Is that right or what? I'm telling you. But here is what I want you to get. I'm like, after you, after you prayed, and most times you prayed till you went to sleep, then you had a vision, you prayed over the vision, you woke up again, and you still are not ready to face off with God's issues. His issue is that devils have unseated his son and his son's seed. His son's offspring. Now, this is powerful stuff. But I'm only going to focus on Ephesians 3.10 because that's the second thing that got me. I'm telling you, this man, and he went, Paul lays out how he and Jesus got together, what Jesus dispensed to him, and why he was giving it to Paul, and why Paul had to go to the Gentiles. So Paul is laying it out. And he said, I made, uh, I love this. I, I really do. When I look at this here, he said, I made a minister 
according to the gift of, gra- of, 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 gift of grace of God that's working in him. And then he goes on to talk about he's the least of all the saints, but his job is to make us, that's why I can do this today, make us know the unsearchable riches of Christ and to know the, what, the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world had been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. You got devils walking around here saying they're creators. I'm like, but you're late. You're late. And so but my, my, my statement is, kid, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in the heavenlies might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. To the intent. See, that 310 answers all of the reasons why we have church, all of the reasons why Jesus Christ incarnated and came to the planet. Right there, to the intent. When you, when you think about to the intent, I love that phrase. Because I need you to recognize what God is doing and why he's doing it the way he's doing it. To the intent. In Ephesians 3.10, I'd like you to hear what he's saying there. To the intent that. He said this objective that we're talking about is not just earthly, mortal, or human. And the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, or places is added, might be known by the church. I keep thinking that. Now, it was not the career con. It's by the ecclesia. The ecclesia of God is supposed to do two things, interact and work with God's heavenly powers and manifest God's wisdom to them. Now, what... Think about, I want you to think on that, that thought, just a moment. Just think on the, the it's almost a ludicrous statement, isn't it? The church, the ecclesia, is supposed to manifest, okay, or make known to the invisible powers in the heavenly places. Does anybody hear that? Heavenly we're talking. I wish. Uh, 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 mm. Think about it. They're talking about the diversity, the variety. So what we do on earth speaks to God's invisible power in heavenly places. And we're not talking about the spiritual hosts of wickedness or anything like that. We're saying that this is a group of principalities and powers who clearly did not believe God could pull it off. That clearly could not fathom that Jesus Christ would be so reproduced that we would outmanage, outwit, or at least outknowledge them. So God has a whole group 
of spiritual leaders, Arche, from the Archon, who empowers, which is authority. So he said spiritual, spiritual uh, chiefs and powers or authorities in the heavenly places. Do you realize that we got into this mess with them in the heavenly places? Right, right. Oh, see, somebody's not kidding. The angels that kept not their first estate. That's how we got here. And God said, hang on in there because I've got a solution coming. Hang on in there because I've got someone to help me. I've got a group of people, a body of people organically created or procreated by me and my son and my spirit or by the Godhead who is going to show you all that I never lost control. Which is why Jesus can say the gates of hell will not prevail against the ecclesia. Yes. Now, your congregation might go down and out. <laughs> but the ecclesia that is organically geneticized by the Holy Ghost, they somehow or another, we relate to them. And maybe they're taking a lesson from us. I don't know. But this particular group, those that stayed get to say, yay. Those that left got to get to say, ooh. Because he, God created for himself an entirely different species of people. That is what this whole message, that's what Paul is trying to say. That is why the Lord Jesus um, uh, incorporated and so, um, because he wanted all, because this invisible world, this unseeable world, had to be corrected and also rewarded as much as us for in clay. To the intent, uh, intent, the sense is that it was with this design or that this was the purpose for which all things were made. One grand purpose in creation of the universe was that the wisdom of God might be clearly shown by the church, not just to the church. We are the vessel of wisdom. We are the entity of wisdom. We are the wisdom class species of the Almighty. We are wisdom class. You know, that's important because we... And y'all, you should see my prophets over here in the corner. Did you want to say it, baby? See, we're the wisdom class. We are Proverbs 8, 24. We are Lady Wisdom, the wife of Christ. So to the intent, okay, it was not enough to invent it by the formation of the sun and stars. In other words, God's handiwork wasn't it. It had to be God's creation, God's procreation of himself, God's reproduction. Because the, all wisdom, the, the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hid in Jesus Christ. So what we were in Christ. It was in Christ. We're all running around in Jesus together. 
It was not enough to show it by the creation of intelligent beings, the formation of immortal minds on earth, and the various ranks of the angelic world. There were views of the divine character which could, uh, could be obtained only in connection with the redemption of the world. Hence, the universe was created and man was made upon the earth, not merely to illustrate the divine perfections of the work of creation, but in still more illustrious manner, the work of redemption. Because redemption, see, when Adam was made, the plan of redemption was already in, in, in work. God, there was no, idea, no way that God didn't know that, that Adam was going to do what he did. It, it's just impossible, okay? And so when you think about the principalities, rulers, powers, authorities in heavenly places, we only talk about those that we got to pray down, you know? We don't talk about the fact that God uses principalities over and over again because that is the offspring of a sovereign. <laughs> See, and, and it's important because, I mean, in, in um, Ephesians 121, God says, but we even higher than that. That's what I think is so awesome. I want to do that because in ter- talking about the identity, where God is going in the future, where God is going in the future has everything to do with his reestablishment of his heavenly strongholds, mm-hmm. his heavenly principalities, his heavenly rulers, his heavenly sovereigns. Because if you can, mm, mm-hmm. we don't include Jesus is taking captivity captive. We don't include his effect on the heavenly populations and heavenly civilizations that were empowering the abuse of humanity on the earth. Now, in mythology, they talk about the era where the gods ruled and carried on, and then they say that that's over. No, it can't be over. Gods don't die. The, the ones that are dead are dead. So, as much as they keep saying man is his own God and his own destiny, that's just Satan's lie. That's him trying to, you know, attract flesh to occupy. And he said, because um, Jesus, which he wrought in Jesus Christ, Ephesians 1.20, when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places or in heaven, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all all things to the church, see, which is his body, to the church, to the ecclesia, which is his body. I'm, I'm just chewing on that myself. Let's all just chew together. The ecclesia is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. So everything that Jesus will do has done for, from his seat as part of his reward responsibilities begins and ends in the church. So uh, uh, witches can talk about we, we, uh, we're done with the church. That's not true. We're not going anywhere. When, and you ought to pray that we're still here. 
because the Holy Ghost is restraining everything and giving you all the privilege of being deceived and deluded for us who are the, the elect and the very elect. See, because the ecclesia is the elect, because elect is in the various words of the ecclesia. We should be in government. We should, we're supposed to be in government. We're supposed to rule government. That is the will of God concerning us. We are to bring the, the light of the world to bear on the darkness of, this, of the earth. We are to bring the righteousness of God on, to bear on the sin. Jesus Christ, it says the government will be upon his shoulders because he is the lawgiver. So we're not just going to be wonderful people running around the church talking about Jesus is love. Jesus loved you. Did you know? Yes, that's good. That's good, but do you really care? Because you can't really care about Jesus loving you until he sheds his love abroad in your heart. Are we all right? Because I need, I need us to understand this is not something that I'm playing with. I'm telling you we are not only organizing it, we are cellulating it and actionizing it. And we're doing it because God is a person. Jesus has a literal body. It's not made like ours. And if they could, in any stretch of imagination, if they could, autopsy him, they would. That's one of the reasons why God didn't leave him in the ground, among other reasons. So here we are, thing we did, everything he did, God did with this in mind. I want to say this because we should know why he's doing what he's doing. God is giving his children his identity. He's re-identifying identifying his offspring. He's defining his seed because Satan has miscegenated it. And it's so miscegenated that we, we don't know who a Christian is. We talked about that Sunday, people thinking that just because somebody's doing good work and good deeds that they're Christian or that they're a seed of Christ. Because I'm going to use the word seed of Christ more often. I'm going to use the word elect more often so we can distinguish those who are churched or who have been uh, conditioned or brainwashed by institutional Christian doctrine. And so he's saying to us, Jesus was sent. I just really love this. And having... Colossians 1.20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things. Now, I want you to hear this because this goes with Ephesians 3.10. To reconcile all things unto himself by him, by him who? The Godhead. Okay. I'll just, okay. Because see, um, this what I'm about to read is the first class I got from God on who Jesus really is. It's the very first class that I got with understanding. And it's Colossians 1.15, which is important. Well, you know, when you read it, and you should read Colossians chapter 1, it's almost like a Bible study by itself. Just, you know, 
And so he said, but we give thanks, this is 1-3, to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, you need to make a note of that. There is a hope laid up for me in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. See, Paul always had those, those qualifiers. The truth of the God. You have to start reading these things with the recognizing the qualifiers because they therefore read that. Verse 6, which is come unto you as it is in all the world and brings forth fruit as it does also in you since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God is a qualifier in truth. Mm-hmm. Now, when you say in truth, just for the record, just think back to John fourteen six. I am the the truth and life. So truth is a being. The being has a body, and we are that body. For the church is the pillar and ground of the Okay. He said, and you also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared to us your love in the spirit. For this cause, we also... Um, do not cease to pray for you, but I'm going to jump down because he na- he defines this prayer. Uh, verse 11, I'm sorry, verse 10, that ye may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being full, fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Give thanks to the Father which has made us meet or qualified or capable to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. And how did he do it? Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even a forgiveness of sins. But listen to this. His dear son. Remember, everybody say his dear son. His dear son. His dear son. His dear son. 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 Who is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of every creature. For by him created that are, are you ready? In heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. When, when's invisible, all right? Whether they be, now here's where he lays out the, the kingdom of God, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities, or powers, all things were created. Now listen to this. What does it say? Created what? By him. And, see, that was my first class with Revelation. He said, so God didn't make all of this stuff for us. He made all of this stuff for Jesus. His first forgotten. And at the time, his only begotten son. He didn't make it for anybody. He didn't make it for angels. He didn't make it for devils. He made all of this for Jesus Christ. But here's the kicker. The kicker is he made Jesus do it. You want it? You make it. You need it? Create it. He's making God and Jesus are making things. And I, I, I would venture they're doing it as a team thing. And God is saying, but this is for you. This is yours. This is yours. But everything God did, everything he put his hands to, he did by Jesus 
and for Jesus. And it's unfortunate that this man has this church today who could care less about this man's inheritance, which is why he could give the parable coming to the planet and coming to the, the, the vineyard, and they, not, they don't want to give him his money. And lastly, he sent his son, and they killed the son. So God had already lived this. So, and it says, now look at the rest of it. And he is what? Before all things. So there was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, for however long it was, similar to the fact that it was God and Adam alone. Okay? So Jesus is before everything that God made, everything. The first thing God did was reproduce himself. I wish, oh, my God, I'm trying. He said, he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church. Huh? He is the head of the body, the church. And I need you to recognize that he's not just talking about a mass. He's talking about, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, a fully functioning anatomical physiological, biological being, body. And we are the organs and the members thereof. He said it was a mystery. I mean, he didn't mislead us. This <laughs> was mysterious. Okay, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. So Jesus had to be born again in hell. And all of those who died in faith in him had to be born again in hell. What makes you think you don't need to be born again on earth? That in all things, in all, he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Having made peace. See, you understand, chaos, obviously, prevail for him to keep saying he made peace through the blood of his cross. Now, how can his blood, oh, come on, somebody. Anyway, I don't have time to mess with that because I'm running out of time today, okay? <laughs> Having made peace through his blood, through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself because it was all in him. It all originated in him. Mm. By him, I say, whether they are things in earth or things in heaven. Now, I'm going to wrap it up on that point because that last statement is worth contemplation for a little bit. Because we have all heard the evangelical message that it's all about earth and it's all about humanity. This passage belies all of that. Because it said that Jesus had to reconcile. <laughs> I don't know about you, but reconcile is pretty interesting. That means he had to put back together again, bring back into a former state of harmony. Does that match with the war in heaven? So he's saying 
that the cross was not just about Adam in the garden. He's saying the cross was about Lucifer in heaven. So the shatter, the fragmentation, I said, well, you know, kind of reminds you of what they, what they illustrate is the Big Bang Theory. When Lucifer cut up, the bang shattered everything. Everything fragmented. It fractured everything. So that no matter how holistic we think the universe is, it is not. And it's more than our universe. It's all of those galaxies and, and all of that stuff. All of that Jesus had to bring back together again by his blood. The blood of somebody out there issue. I don't have with Oh, here you go. Amen. Come on, somebody. So that blood, the blood of the Godhead. Running down the cross, touching the earth, changing the ecology of death. Because remember, cursed is the earth for your sake. And then he says to no, no, uh, no, uh, yeah, is it no? He's cha- he, he pulled back on it, but the earth is cursed. What cursed it other than God's word? all of the dead bodies and all of the shed blood that destroyed the ecology the Almighty put into existence. And so it's up to, it was up to him. So this man is on this cross talking about, he said, of all that you have given me, I should lose nothing. Well, what all? Go back to what he just said was in him. That's enough to make a, a, a rebellious angel envious. Everything is in him. And then he turns around and he says, and everything that's in me is in you. In self-form. So your spirit is the entire cellulation, the entire biological of the Godhead. If you got the Holy Ghost, you got Jesus and God the Father. If you got God the Father, you got Jesus and the Holy Ghost. You see how this works. And so all your new creation spirit is full of all of these. Like, they looking for lights out there. God's like, Mm-mm. no, I'm not putting myself out there like that. I'm putting myself in people. And so your whole spirit is composed of, I mean, beyond gazillions, for lack of a better number, of God's light because his cells are not clay. They're not tissue, and they're not mortal. His self. Well, I think I stopped on a good point. What do you think? Y'all drowning? Huh? You know, when I when I do this, God keeps saying, Paula, I just need to get it out. Yeah. I just need to get it out yeah. because as long as you have your recording devices, you can listen to it then again and again and again. And if you are smart, see, when we were coming up, we're Sally. So you remember when we were coming up, what did we do? We all got together 
and we would play a, a play a little bit and talk a little. And we did that nonstop. We would do this till two or three o'clock in the morning. The life of Christ was so on his word and so in him. And you would start talking, and you tell everybody, okay, I'm going to be here 30 minutes. Three hours later, 10, cu- 10 cups of coffee you didn't need later. <laughs> but you literally broke this word down because it's the bread of life. We're supposed to be eating. I think it's interesting that he uses bread. He uses bread, and you know what? We condemn carbs. <laughs> if you notice, whatever God uses, we're going to condemn it unless it intoxicate us like wine. But we broke bread on this, and it and the Lord would get in those groups. We'd all take up like a whole restaurant now. We have our own, but we could take up, and the Lord would get there and start talking to people and their individual uh, revelations. Would just flood. I mean, we were like lightning swords crashing into heaven, and we went through that thing. That is why everybody got the word. Now, granted, I don't know how many people were teaching to the extent that I am. Don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Would you say, Norm? You heard it? Uh-uh. But didn't we do that? I used to come to Tulsa and spend 10 days just going through those, because they weren't just a teaching. They were literally thought exchange sessions. Okay, so what is God telling you about? How is God telling you? But this here, this oppressing spirit won't even let you have that kind of appetite. He is a, this thing is determined not to allow God to open up your spirit to become this. You have to fight for it. And, I mean, because this spirit, I've never seen such like this. You know, now I don't know what they're doing of the people out there in social media world because, well, they don't really say. But I would tell you, we would never, are you kidding? When we got out of church, there was no, I got to get up early. Are you kidding? We were were kept alive and energized by the word of life, the word of life. And then we went to work and and talked about, I only had two and a half hours sleep. The boy was at the best two and a half and the Lord talked to me, and I had dreams. You all don't have the dreams that go with this. They're supposed to be dreams. They're supposed to be visions. They're supposed to be God awakening you. You're supposed to be getting your own revelation. He's supposed to be able to tell you how it's cellulating in you. I mean, and, and, and that kind of stuff is how you started talking. Boy, I went to sleep, and the Lord just said to me, or he, he kept saying this phrase or that phrase. I'm still getting that, as you can see. It's the word of life, and it's not bringing life. Then you have to ask God what's standing in the way. There is a death grip that's creating a shield that's barring your ability to yearn for this, to appreciate it, to ache for it. We need to pray that off you. Because I'm, and it wasn't just prophets and it wasn't just ministers. I'm telling you, we'd be in restaurants and the servers after they finished, they'd sit down and talk. The owner would let us talk, and we would just talk through, uh, talking through how this fits today and how it literally clothes and it mantles me personally. Yeah. You all, this is a real unclean spirit. And I'm not saying you in this room. I'm just saying this church today. I said, because, huh? 
Uh, yeah, well, that's true. She says it's an unclean church. But but you're not you're not crying for it. Not you know my my what did the psalmist said? But I'm panting. My soul is panting for the. There's no panting. There is just whining and crying and and just criticizing and grieving. And this man is saying, you all have no idea how magnificently I made you. I'm, I'm being honest with you. I've not. Se- I've been in this thing since 1985. I've never talk about a dead church. I've never seen anything like this. You, we gave you. We, we have the tele discussion groups. Half of y'all. I'm sorry. I'm busy. I don't want to. Are you kidding? You don't want to come to the Lord's table. You don't want to. And then yet you want God to come and, and fill your table. Uh, he said, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? But I challenge you today to plead with God to open your spirit, because your spirit is locked by your need and your greed. I challenge you to set aside your need and greed and come to the table and fellowship and meet the Lord Almighty, and bring questions. You all take notes. I would take those notes to pray. I did. Okay, so Jesus, I'm telling you, I don't. And sometimes he answered in the moment. Sometimes I slept all night. Sometimes he'd wait till a week. And then, you know, God is no timing with him, so he would act like he, you just asked him 20 seconds ago. But God, please forgive us. Please help us, Lord, to that thing that your early church had that made them stay all night, that made Paul preach till a man went to sleep, woke and died and came back and kept on preaching. God, we, we need a hunger for you. There has to be a hunger for you. Give us an appetite for the truth. Lord, because all of this other stuff that we are feasting on in, uh, uh, called your words. God is shutting us down. It's killing ourselves. It's killing the life of Christ in us. God, I'm asking that you forgive us, but that you begin to come move through your body. I'm asking, God, that you pop our ears, that you open our eyes, that you unstop our souls so that we can receive the fountain of living waters. And, God, not waters based on our favorite preacher, but waters based on what you actually said and recorded and did in your work. God, I'm asking you as a personal favor, please awaken your body. Please awash them in your truth. Please regenerate your body, the souls of your people. Please give us that life and that zeal and that joy and that fervor. God, please have mercy on us. And please overlook our transgressions and cause us to make our way back to your table in Jesus' name. Cause us to want your word. Cause us to want your truth. Let us know where we are untrue. And let us know our pillars of untruth, that we can come back into your glorious light. God, I thank you for doing it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can sow a seed. I'm sure Rachel has it on the table. And join us Sunday.
at the Congregation of the Mighty. We're 